The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vina Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing. We broadcast from the Cromer Mashburn Family Studios here at the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And each and every week, we strive to be your public radio source for the information, advice, and inspiration to start or grow your own real estate investing business. There's some fun stuff happening here in the WMKV listening area over the next few weeks. Tomorrow night is Cincinnati RIA's annual networking picnic. There will be food, there will be networking contest prizes, and it is free and open to the public. So if you're looking for an opportunity to come meet some nice folks and eat some hot dogs and hamburgers. That's a good opportunity to do it all while talking about real estate, of course. It's from 6 to 9 p.m. tomorrow night, and you can get more information and download a free guest pass at CincinnatiRIA.com. That's com. On Friday morning, Cincinnati RIA has its first ever Friday morning meetup. It's a breakfast time meeting from 8 to 10 a.m. Coffee and donuts will be provided, and there is no topic. It's just a chance to talk to people, find out who's doing what. Uh, And uh, if you have properties to buy or sell, that would be a good place to bring them as well. So... That uh, Friday morning meetup, which starts uh, for this is the first meeting ever, July the 3rd on Friday morning. You get more information about that on meetup or at CincinnatiRIA.com. On August, the, make sure I get these dates right, 15th and 16th, Cincinnati RIA is sponsoring a two-day seminar with tonight's guest, Dykes Botterford where we are going to talk about, uh, or he is going to talk about, I'm not going to have anything to do with it, he is going to talk about creative finance techniques, buying and selling with creative financing. It's a full-blown two-day event with one of the most knowledgeable experts in the United States, and uh, you can attend that no matter where you're from. You don't have to be a Cincinnati RIA member. It's well worth the drive or the plane ticket or whatever it takes to get you there, and Again, more information available at CincinnatiRIA.com. The wholesaling subgroup, which would normally happen this evening, is not going to go on because of the uh, holiday. So uh, don't plan to be there 
this evening because there will be no wholesaling subgroup tonight. Now, if you're wondering why I seem to be making a lot of local announcements, the answer is that we are trying to get a hold of our guest for this evening. So I suspect that we are going to be taking a quick break here shortly to uh, try to uh, get that together. And um, I think, George, that I have a way of getting a hold of him, but I think we need to take an early break. We so will definitely can... <laughs> take an early break here and we'll check traffic as well. But we've got a lot of things coming up here. We'll take care of that. So shall we take a break? Uh, yes, we shall. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox, and you have just witnessed in action the challenges of live radio. For those of you who think that you're listening to a webinar every week because you happen to listen to it online at wmkvfm.org, now you know the truth. Stuff happens. People's emails get sent to someone who's on vacation instead of the person who's actually engineering the show and then we're all in a panic saying why can't we get a hold of our guest and but we 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 work it out that's how it works lean and mean here on public radio so i am very pleased to introduce to the listening audience mr dykes bodiford uh, we get a lot of guests here on Real Life Real Estate who are, they're, they're very good at what they do. They're smart people. They're subject matter experts. But it's rare that we get the opportunity to talk to somebody with the accumulated wisdom that Dykes Bodiford has. He got started in real estate back in the 1980s because his full-time corporate job had him traveling all over the place. And it's a good thing he did since that company ultimately got sold. And when he got uh, laid off in the reorganization, got into real estate full time. He has invested in everything from notes to mobile homes to single family homes and uh, has authored books and courses on asset protection, uh, self using self-directed IRAs, advanced strategies, business tax strategies, estate planning, guerrilla bankruptcy tactics for creditors, mobile homes, deals in dirts, and, and on and on and on and on and on. If I were to read this whole enormous and impressive resume, we would be here for the rest of the night just doing that. So joining us from what I assume is home in Atlanta is Dykes Bodiford. Dykes, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Dykes, are you there? Please tell me Dykes is there. I th sort of thought I heard him breathing a minute ago, but I can't hear him. I'm going to check something very quickly for you here. <laughs> Dykes may be able to hear us, uh, but I don't know if he can. And Dave, if you can check the line input as well. <laughs> yep. See, live radio. live radio. We've proven today that this is live radio and is not, in fact, I don't know, pre-recorded or whatever by uh, leaving Vina alone in the studio where she has to tap dance on live radio. Let me uh, give you guys the uh, email address and phone number for when we finally make this work. And uh, you're going to have tons of questions for Dykes because today we're going to talk about one of the most important and overlooked topics in real estate, which is buying and selling creatively. Our numbers here in the studio are 877-772-9658. Or you can send an email by going to our website at realliferealestate.com. Dykes, are you there? I am here. Oh. Thank, thank you for having me on the program. Woo! The adrenaline. <laughs> the adrenaline is just, it's huge now. So, um, you're coming to Cincinnati. I am. Uh, in August. 
to do a two-day seminar on what we have like 45 minutes to talk about today. And I want to remind listeners that when they get to the end of this interview and they go, oh my gosh, I want to hear more about this, they can go to CincinnatiRia.com and get signed up for that two-day seminar. But there are only 70 seats available there. So this isn't something you guys want to wait on because we're going to have people coming from all over the country from this. Um, Okay, so Dykes, let's just start really basically and Mm -hmm. say when you say owner financing, what do you mean by owner financing? Well, who someone that owns the property is selling the property, and instead of, of uh, getting a bank loan to pay that owner off, the owner themselves become the bank. So they're financing the equity in that property. Now, technically, a owner financing is really not a loan at all. It's just an installment sale of the property, so the person is buying the equity in the property. Now, that's a legal, technical you know, uh, issue there, but it does best describe the transaction as an installment sale. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So your preferred form of all, all the different things that people call owner financing, I mean, I've heard mm-hmm. people refer to lease options as owner financing, land contracts, contracts for deeds, right. subject right. to, all of those sorts of things. But is your preferred method the one where the owner actually can just trade your equity for payments? Well, no, I wouldn't say that's my favorite, but that's the one that uh, investors normally think of when you say owner financing. But all the other techniques you covered, which I will be covering as well, are ways to get effective owner carryback financing. So you may not be the one that is the owner selling and taking back financing in any of those transactions. You may be the buyer. So it may be more advantageous for you to use one of the other techniques than just straight sale taking with the owner taking back a note and mortgage. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Has it been your experience that the more of these ways people know how to do it, the more successful they are, or is it better to oh. focus on one of them and just get really good at it? No, no, no. Cookie cutters don't work over the long term. Uh, the most uh, experienced real estate investors, I mean, you ask any of them, and they'll say the, tell you that the best thing to do is have a toolbox of techniques so that when you sit down with a buyer or you sit down with a seller, you find out what their situation is, what they need, what is their hot buttons. You rummage around in your toolbox of techniques and decide which one best fits. And if you present that and the uh, uh, buyer or seller, which whoever you're dealing with, uh, says, no, I'm not really that interested in it, then you rummage around your toolbox and find a, another choice. And with the knowledge of all the different techniques, you can usually come up with something that will work for both you and the other party in the transaction. Mm-hmm. I think that most people who are aware of owner financing techniques and, and study owner financing techniques, and particularly those who use them, know the answer to the question I'm about to ask you, but I want to hear it from you. Why not just go to the bank? <laughs> well, any of, uh, any of the investors listening to this program that have been to the bank probably already intuitively know that question. Delays, credit um, uh, reports, all the paperwork's filled out, waiting for the loan committees to come through. If you're a successful investor, you probably already have the 
uh, limit of loans that you can get from the bank, the eight or ten, based on you know what uh, uh, type of institutional financing you're getting. And it also uh, negatively impacts your uh, net worth statement and credit report with all of these loans on there uh, and just lowering and increasing the uh, debt that you're showing and, and possibly lowering your FICO uh, a little bit. And when you get owner financing, none of that counts against you. Owner financing can be done in uh, in a day or so. It's all a matter of how long does it take the title company or the attorney to get the title work done, and you can close because you're not having to wait for that third-party lender. Nor do you have all the fees that are involved with a bank closing, the document fees, the points, and, um, and uh, tax reports, and so forth. So owner financing can can put more money back in the pocket of the seller and save a lot of money for the purchaser over the long run. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think owner financing has a little bit of a negative reputation that it shouldn't have because uh, civilians out in the world who hear about it, people who are not you know, in the real estate world, think that it's all about newbies who don't have any money trying to get deals no money down and how safe could that possibly be if the newbie doesn't have any money right but i'm i'm guessing i mean you've been teaching a lot of people for a lot of years and i'm guessing you're finding that the more sophisticated somebody gets and the more assets they have the more owner financing they do that is correct. That is correct because obviously you can do a lot more deals if you uh, do the owner financing uh, than having to go to the bank or an institution each time. But there's a lot that's involved with you just making the other party feel comfortable. You have to build a level of trust with that party, uh, if you're the buyer in particular, that you will be making the payments. And I do find putting some money down, 10% or uh, as little as 5%, uh, will get the attention of a seller when you're talking about owner financing. Also, uh, sometimes uh, I will put up some other collateral uh, so that the seller not only has the property they're selling as collateral, but they have another nice piece of property that will collateralize the loan as well. And I don't do this, uh, but another thing that a buyer can do is get someone to co-sign with them, someone that may be stronger than, than they are, to, again, to make the seller feel comfortable and uh, even could work out something. Another good thing about um, this kind of financing is you can negotiate the terms. Well, if you have a cosigner, you can say the cosigner will be responsible for the first three years. Once I show you I make all my payments on time and take care of the property, then we'll, uh, I ask you to release the cosigner. And the um, person you're dealing with can certainly say yes or no to that request. Can't do that, obviously, with a bank. Once a cosigner is on a bank loan, they're on there for the full term of the loan. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that that example that you gave, you know, it's just a little small throwaway. Maybe you only run across that six times in your entire life, mm-hmm. but that is the huge advantage to really understanding, at a deep level, owner financing. Mm-hmm. Is that you? You can you can make all sorts of little things that would be stoppers in a bank deal. Right. In, into a term of your deal, because as long as you like it and the seller likes it and, you know, assuming that we're not agreeing to murder anyone or do anything else illegal, right. Right. it's 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 all good. Right. I'll give you a good example, Vina. 
I had a seller one time that I was negotiating with to get owner financing, and he was kind of stuck on the you know, the four hundred dollar a month payments that uh, that we were talking about. And I asked him, you know, what was his real income needs? And I found out that he had a child going to private school, and those uh, payments were due every, I believe, every August and April, uh, I believe it was. And so we negotiated where I'd only pay two hundred fifty dollars a month. And I'd pay a thousand or fifteen hundred, uh, you know, that April and August time frame to help him get come up with his couple of thousand dollars he needed for his child to go to private school. Mm-hmm. So he was real happy with that because he didn't have to keep a separate little bank account and build up some money to 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 pay for that. Uh, it would just come in, and all he did is just put a little extra money with it, and he had what he needed for that semester. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and and the more you understand the techniques and how they work and how they're documented and memorialized, the more your mind's free to come up with solutions like that. If you absolutely, if you basically understand this is how an owner-held mortgage works, and here's the things that need to be filled in in the blanks, then that's no longer something you have to be grinding about while you're talking to a seller and you can actually hear what he has to say about when he needs the money and you can start making those uh, more creative uh, changes that work for everybody. Right. right. And understanding taxes is another big point that will help you uh, deal with a seller or even a buyer if you're on the sell side. If you understand their tax situation, you can help come up with a payment plan or a structure for the loan that will feed right into the best tax treatment that they can get. Mm-hmm. And you can't do that with an institutional lender. Mm-hmm. And when we get back from the break, I'm going to ask you to give an example of what you just said, because I don't think even some of the more sophisticated creative finance folks out there really get how important taxes are in some of these deals to your buyers and to your sellers. In the meantime, I'm going to invite our listeners to ask questions. You have the opportunity during this hour to talk to somebody who's got years and years and years and years of experience in negotiating creative deals. And if you have a question about a creative deal, I bet he's got a better answer than you've come up with in your own head. 877-772-9658. You can also reach us by going to our website at realliferealestate.com, clicking the Ask a Question button, uh, writing in your question, and we will receive it here via email. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I am your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Dykes Bodiford, who, if that's a name you don't recognize, you should. I mean... This guy is, you know, he's it, when I have a question about mobile homes or creative finance, I he's the one I call. So, you know, he's he's way up there in terms of his knowledge and experience. If you happen to be listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing through our podcast, remember that you can listen and participate live on Wednesdays between 5 and 6 p.m. Eastern Time. If you're in the greater Cincinnati area, you can listen at WMKV 89.3 FM or WLHS 89.9. Or if you're someplace else in the whole world, WMKVFM.org. Or I discovered a few weeks ago when I was stuck in an airport in Raleigh and I let Drew host the show and I was terrified. Drew did very well, by the way. It was very contained. I listened because I was like, I was like, he's somehow going to get 
he's going to blow the station up. I don't know how it's going to happen, but he's going to do it. And I discovered that on iTunes, there is a an app. Yes. And I downloaded the app to my phone, and all I have to do now is push it, and it, I can listen live anytime, anyplace. So that's awesome. Drew stayed within himself, as they say in sports. <laughs> uh, yeah, first time for everything, right? Uh, so in any case, we're talking today about uh, creative finance, and we're talking to Dykes Bodiford. And um, Dykes, you had you said something sort of as an aside just before we took a break about how sometimes the thing that the thing that makes the deal for you is the other guy's tax situation. That's right. That's right. And and, and I recognize this. And, and uh, you know, one reason why I have all this information and have learned it over the years is I've been doing this 35 years, Vina. So I should have learned something by this time. <laughs> and I, I noticed that most people that you deal with that are not investors don't really understand taxes that well. So the better you understand taxes and uh, understand how it will affect them, the better off the whole deal would be. Uh, your partner in all your deals is the is the IRS, and they're going to take up roughly a third. So you want to have some uh, protection against that, some asset protection against that, uh, and structuring the deal appropriately will uh, protect that for you and for the person on the other side of the table. For instance, um, capital gains. Uh, if a person is selling a rental property, and uh, they say, I just want all my cash. Well, you say, well, you know, how long have you owned this property? And, well, you've roughly got so much in depreciation, and, um, you know, your basis is probably way on down. Do you mind telling me what you bought it for? They may or may not tell you. You say, well, let's just assume you bought it for about 60% of what you're trying to sell it for now. You know, your tax situation is going to be roughly this. Now, I'm not giving you tax advice. You need to talk to your accountant about it. But the way I understand it is you're going to have this tax bite. It's going to be several thousand dollars. However, if you sell it with owner financing, you only have to pay taxes as the money comes in. So when the money comes in, you only pay the taxes on that amount and not any more until the next year when more money comes in. And whatever you get comes in during that year, then you pay taxes that year. So you pay taxes over the term of the loan, and therefore the money that would have been that you'd have to go find another investment for after taxes actually earns an interest rate before taxes that I'm paying you, and then you pay the taxes from what I have paid you. So a lot of people, once the light bulb goes on, sees that they can actually make more money over the long term by saving on taxes and doing the owner carryback financing than if they'd required you to, to pay all cash for the property up front. Plus, a lot of times, they don't have uh, a destination for that money when they sell. So that's another question you should always be asking is, what are you going to do with the proceeds of the sale? Do you have another um, house that you're buying, or are you just going to put it in the bank in CDs at 0.2% uh, until you find something else? I might be able to give you a much better return than that. I could double that. Yeah, <laughs> I could, yeah, I could exactly. double your 0.2%. I might even give you 10 I'll, times that. <laughs> yeah. Well, Vina, I also discovered that a lot of civilian homeowners don't realize what Section 121 says. Some of them still think that they have to buy a more expensive house and reinvest the money. And once I explained to them that they don't have to pay any taxes whatsoever, 
that it's just gravy if if they do owner care back financing with me because they won't have to pay anything on the uh, capital gains on the house. They will have to pay ordinary taxes on the interest portion. So why not let me buy their house at full price and give me a low interest rate on my loan so that they uh, have more on the capital gains side, which they have no taxes on, and just have to pay uh, taxes on the low interest rate that I'm paying them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, Dykes, you you take it a a step further uh, in terms of creative finance. We've had other interviews here with other people who talk about creative Mm -hmm. finance, and mostly what they do is they buy the property creatively and then they rehab it and sell it or they buy the property creatively and then they rent it. But you believe so strongly in owner financing that you have a, you, you also give it to people. Oh yes. Oh, I, I have a lot of owner financing. Now uh, I just said, I've been in this business 35 years. So you probably suspect that I'm a little on the older side and I am. And I have gotten to the point that I'm not crazy about uh, getting calls at night about a toilet that stopped up or, you know, some other problem that uh, renters have. And so I have used owner carryback financing as a way to trim my portfolio so that I got rid of my, not, I wouldn't call them problem properties, but the properties that give me the most headaches. The, they're the ones that the tenants only stay for a year or so. I, I like long-term tenants. The, one, the houses that have the most maintenance uh, issues, no matter how much you, re- you fix or repair, there's always something else that comes up. So uh, any good investor should be uh, looking to trim portfolio over a period of time while they add better quality properties. Owner carryback financing is an excellent way to, to deal with that uh, because you get the return without all the headaches. Mm-hmm. So basically what you're doing when you're selling a property to somebody with owner financing is you are creating a note. We've, we've talked about Correct. buying notes, but you actually create a note where you have ongoing, hopefully passive income. I mean, you know, that's right. things don't always work out the way you want them to, but uh, that's what you're looking for. Now, we had a guest on about six months ago who was very into the idea of buying and selling and trading notes. So my, my question to you is, if you, if you have a note where somebody owes you money on a property you've sold them, do you ever sell that note and get cash for it? No, I don't sell the notes. However, I encourage everyone to set up their notes so that they can be sold if need be. Now, they may just want some cash. But what I, the reason I set it up so it could be sold is because I use those notes to trade for other property after I've set them up sometimes. Often I'll just continue to collect on them for years. But if a deal comes up and the, and the person is open to financing, I say, listen, instead of giving me financing back on the property I'm buying from you, how about let me give you this note that I've already had uh, on another piece of property for three years, and the payer has paid on time every month. And actually, this note is worth a little more than what you're asking for your property. And I'll use that note to trade, and I'll get a free and clear property from that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Has Dodd-Frank slowed you down any in that regard? Well, Dodd-Frank, and we ought to say something about the SAFE Act as well, you know, there are issues that, that you have to look at and uh, basically on a state-by-state basis with the SAFE Act and with Dodd-Frank, that's a national act. Uh, there is an exception for uh, owner carryback financing for sellers uh, in Dodd-Frank uh, 
at one property per year or if it's an entity, three properties per year. Uh, if it's just an individual owner, they um, can do a, a balloon uh, note, but if it's uh, owned by an LLC or one, some other type of entity, uh, it has to be a straight amortized loan. And uh, I'm not crazy about balloons anyway. My experience with balloons is very few people, even more sophisticated investors, wait until the last minute to try to deal with a balloon and they're not able to pay it off and they come back to you with hat in hand to say, can we extend? So I, I'm not crazy about doing balloons, but when I do do a balloon, which is every now and then, I have actual clauses that I use that will uh, allow an extension almost automatically if they do a pay down on the balance of the loan. What I'd rather do is what is referred to as a call on loan. And... Um, probably a little beyond our discussion for the short period of time that we have. But calls are great techniques used mostly in commercial loans, but there's absolutely no reason that you can't use them in individual loans as well. Dodd-Frank, uh, it, it, there has been talk about uh, easing up on individual investors uh, under Dodd-Frank. That hasn't come about as yet, but there's a lot of discussions on that. Um, but again, it, uh, with owner with owner care back financing, you only have to be concerned when you're the seller and you're selling more than one property per year. That first property, you, you're exempted under that. Mm-hmm. And let me say... And, and by the way, let me, I should say, Vina, that if you had five or six properties you wanted to sell, you do have a choice after the first property. Uh, you can still sell the other five or six and take uh, owner care back financing, but the law requires that you have a mortgage loan originator which is going to cost you between 250 and $700 to, to get them to be involved in the transaction up front. Um, there are some people who are just taking a risk and not using them, but the, the law does say that you're supposed to have a mortgage loan originator. Mm-hmm. And let's put a bug in everybody's ear and say that when a viable bill hits the house about modifying Todd Frank to mm-hmm. exclude all these poor little old ladies who are trying to sell their farm on land contract and also their three rental properties, and so they are violate, they're in violation of a federal law that, yep. you know, when you hear call your congressman, write your congressman, do that. Absolutely. Because, Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's going to uh, take a bunch of people saying this 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 has had an effect that we don't think you read about in the 1200 pages that you passed without reading and this is what it is and it's it's you know it's slowing down the housing market particularly in low income and rural properties. Mm-hmm. That that's how a lot of people buy low income and rural properties is with seller financing and when you can't sell them that way without going through all through all these hoops that Bank of America right. has an entire floor of lawyers to deal with, but you don't, that's a problem. Yeah, that's right. Well, Vina, uh, let me make, make it clear to everyone that this Dodd-Frank only affects you when you are the seller taking back financing. If you are the buyer uh, getting financing, it does not affect you, I mean, unless you want to turn in your seller, which you probably don't. You know, <laughs> Ethically, you don't want to do that. And it doesn't affect you when you're working with other investors or mm-hmm. even companies. You know, all of those are outside of Dodd-Frank. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, we do have a complete uh, interview with Jeff Watson on that topic in our uh, podcasts on realliferealestate.com. So if folks want to sort of spend a whole hour Jeff hearing about that. Jeff is a good attorney, that. and he's also one that's working in Washington to get things changed. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So real life uh, We're going to take another quick break. If you have a question for Dyke Spotiford about buying or selling on owner financing, you can call it in at 877-772-9658, or you can go to our website and ask the question there. It's realliferealestate.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. You can always stay in touch with the Real Life Real Estate community on Facebook at facebook.com slash real life real estate radio or by joining our email list at real life real estate.com. Real life real estate.com almost always has a special offer for subscribers. And of course, as I mentioned, there's like 200 podcasts of previous shows and all kinds of neat news and information. So you can get on the list, get a notification each week about the upcoming topic and articles by or about our guests. Dykes wrote one for us today about how important owner financing is if you intend to become a full-time, multi-deal, support-yourself-with-your-real-estate type of investor. So that's realliferealestate.com. Dykes got a question here from Eric in Okeana, Ohio. Eric says, I'm like Dykes. I'm getting older and I'm getting a little sick of my rental properties. I'd love to sell some of these on owner financing, but what worries me is that I understand that the Ohio foreclosure process takes 13 or 14 months. Is there some alternative, some way to get around this, or should I just suck it up and take the risk? Yeah, uh, there's a lot of ways that you could possibly uh, get around it, but it, it uh, if it ever goes to court, it's the judge is going to say, hey, who are you kidding? You're just trying to get around the, the foreclosure law, and so we're going to require that you do the foreclosure. So the best thing to do is follow the law the, the way it's written. But what you do is you make the deal such that it's hard for the buyer uh, to walk away from it. For instance, uh, look for additional collateral to make the uh, loan uh, better collateralized. Ask for more down payment, which could help you weather that uh, uh, time period while the foreclosure is being done if necessary. Have someone guarantee the loan or co-sign the loan. There's also a technique called abandoning the collateral and suing on the note. And again, because of time, I can't get into all the details of it, but it is a way that you can um, get the full consideration of the note as a judgment and then use that to foreclose and if whatever uh, is not paid through the foreclosure uh, you still have a judgment against the borrower uh, for the remaining amount that you can go after later. So there are things to, to make a much safer loan, uh, even with uh, lower amounts down. But it, what I'm also looking at with some of my property that I'm selling is younger investors, and I will actually partner with them by providing the financing and so forth uh, and uh, consulting uh, with how to, to take care of the property. So I'm constantly watching over their shoulder. Every couple of three months, we'll talk and help them out. But in the meantime, they're paying me. They're maintaining the property. They're dealing with the tenants. And so I know I'm getting a good, strong buyer. And if there is going to be a hiccup, I'm going to know about it fairly early. And we do have an agreement that he will sign the deed in lieu if at any point at my my sole discretion he's not performing as agreed, so that's another approach that you might use. Hmm. That is very interesting, because I'm thinking of all the 
up-and-coming, excited, educated young investors out there who would love to do that deal, especially with the experienced investor there to, you know, as you said, help help them through the tough times. It's like getting an investment and getting an education at the same time. So that is definitely something that uh, I want to talk to you more about. Um, one of the things, one of the things that I know you have done that I, I just really haven't, I mean, I've done a lot of creative finance deals, but the one that I've never reached out and grabbed for that I want to talk about is the pure option. We've talked Mm -hmm. many times on this show about lease options, leases with option to buy, lease purchases, all that sort of stuff. But I know you've done some things where you just option, you don't lease. Can you can you talk about, like, under what circumstances would you want to do that? Yeah, I'll give you two examples if we end up having enough time. The first is a young couple that, that came and wanted to buy a house, but they and were already pre-approved for a loan. They wanted the house because it was in the right school district for their children. And they were a very nice couple, had very good credit, and uh, and again, they were pre-qualified for a bank loan, and but they they weren't qualified for a high enough amount. Uh, I think I was looking for like 123 out of the house, and they were only pre-qualified for ninety thousand dollars. So we talked, and, and uh, I felt very good about the, them. So what I did was I sold the property to them, and they gave me an option back to buy the property from them at the price they bought it from me because the school district was so important to them. And that was a 10-year option so that for the next 10 years, I could buy the property back for the same price I sold it to them for subject to the owner, the excuse me, the uh, homeowner uh, financing they were getting from the bank, which would have been a, a great tool, a great tool to get the property back at an increased value. Because remember, I said it was uh, being sold for 123, which was the market value at the time. What ended up happening is, after about five years, they decided they really wanted to stay, even after their their children were out of the schools. Uh, they loved the house; they'd done some improvements, so they went for refinancing. And they called me up and said. I had I had the option, and the bank had wanted to clear it off before they'd make the do the refinancing. How much would I take to clear it off? I uh, ended up after I found out what the house had appraised for, which is about 150 something at the time. Uh, I got my full 123 out of it. I could have gotten some more if I'd asked for it, because remember I could have bought 100 percent of that house at any time for just ninety thousand dollars. Hmm. So this is this is beyond the idea of I'm going to I'm going to identify a piece of farmland that I think is in the path of of progress and I'm going to give the farmer sure. $5,000 to option his property. I think everybody for... understands that type <laughs> of pure option. Yeah, it's pretty simple. Well, Let it... me give you another quick one if we have time. Mm-hmm. And that is I did buy a piece of, of timberland and the seller had been trying to sell the property for uh, a couple of years at a couple hundred thousand dollars. And I said I only felt like the timber and the property was worth about 160,000, but I tell you what I do, I'd buy 160,000, give him the whole 160,000 at, at the closing, but give him an option for one year that he could buy it back from me at the 160,000, but add 5% interest on top for however long before he exercised his option during that year, and he could still try to sell that property for the 200,000 he was looking for. Well, they never think about 
going out and trying to really push and sell. So at the end of the year, the option expired. I had the property for 160000 which was really worth around 200000 Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the, the come on to the seller was, uh, you know, at least you have some money in your hand right now, and it's not taking anything away from you. Exactly. Because you if you have the option to sell, <laughs> right? If you if you get that buyer you've been looking for for two years that hasn't come along, right. then you can have it back, and I make a little bit of money on my money, and you get what you had been hoping for this whole time. But if not, you still have one hundred sixty thousand dollars. So, exactly. yeah, very cool. And and it's it's hard to explain to people how deep creative financing goes. When, when all they've heard about is like subject twos or all they've heard about is lease options. And you've given us some great examples of some things that you did that are way outside the box, but that very much solved the problems of your various sellers and really made the deal in a way that you walking up with, with the cash wouldn't have done. Yeah. So, uh, again, I want to encourage people to check out the two-day seminar coming up at Cincinnati RIA in the middle of August. And I mean, man, walk, drive all night, fly, do what you have to do to get there because uh, it's uh, for, for a full day, you know, full two-day class. And I understand you're printing us off a great big manual to go with that class as well. Uh, it's, it's about a 200-page manual, and I've had a lot of compliments on this class over the last few years, and I'm constantly uh, adding some uh, additional information, clarifications, and so forth. Uh, mm-hmm. So it, it is not a workbook. It is a textbook. So when you go <laughs> home, you can study all these techniques in addition to what you learned in the class for details, and we're going to give out the forms as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And which are very important. Those are very hard to get your hands on if you don't. You can't go to your lawyer and say, "Draw me up this mortgage where I am participating in the profits." They just don't know how to do it. So, um, good stuff. CincinnatiRia.com. We have about one minute left, Dykes. If if you were talking to the typical radio listener who sort of sort of has heard about creative finance, wants to put it more into their life, what what piece of advice would you give them? about just how to go out there and do that first deal? Well, first of all, learn the techniques, and that, that's what this class will do. And then just start trying to use the techniques and deals that you're doing so that you get comfortable with them. It's hard to explain to somebody uh, a technique that you haven't spent time studying and, and that you haven't tried to use in the past to counter the, the objections that might come up. But you've got to try to do something other than a plain vanilla deal. Now, if the plain vanilla deal is going to make you a bunch of money, you know, go ahead and do it. I'm not telling you don't do plain vanilla deals, but I can tell you you can do so many more deals because many of the deals that you've walked away from in the past probably could have been put together with good financing techniques. Mm-hmm. But you have to ask. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have, you have to, to ask. ask. And you have to be the instigator. You can't let the other side drive the truck. Mm-hmm. Well, very much appreciate you sharing your 35 years of wisdom with us today on the show, Dykes. And I, of course, again, want to encourage folks to go to CincinnatiRia.com and uh, to, and uh, get uh, more information about that two-day class at, in the middle of August. We will be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. Happy investing.